So Anna opening the door of hope is the sermon title for today. And so we'll be looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. So we'll get to that here in just a little while, but just want to give you a heads up for that. So we'll be looking at Luke chapter 2. Uh, summertime is always a time for new movies to come out. And, uh, I, you know, I've been to a, to a couple, to uh, uh, the new Maverick movie, and then to Jurassic World. I was very impressed with Maverick movie, was not overly impressed with Jurassic. Oh, I shouldn't say things like that, should I, in case, in case you haven't seen them yet. Go ahead and go. I mean, they're, they're fun. I love going to movies. It's amazing to me how, how movies have such influence in, in our culture, in our world. Uh, the pastor I served under a number of years ago used to say to me, if Jesus came today, he thought Jesus would be a movie producer uh, because movies have such influence uh, in our culture. I uh, find uh, this last week as I was preparing, preparing for the sermon, uh, I, I found a website that called the Top 50 Famous Movie Quotes. I'm not going to go through all 50, but I'm, I'm guessing you guys will come up with the top five. So let me, let me give these quotes, and you just call out what movie it's from. The number one was this. Now, this is so easy. It's just not even going to be hard, you know. May the force be with you. There you go. And down the list of ways, it was like 20. I thought this would be higher, but I am your father. So, yeah, so that was on the list also. Number two on the list is this. There is no place like home. Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. Let's click those. Ru I should have worn my ruby red uh, slippers with me today or shoes. Number three, I am the king of the world. Titanic, there you go. Absolutely, standing up there, I am the king of the world. Good job. Number four, those of you who are at least my age or around this age, you'll get this one pretty quickly, I think. Carpe diem, seize the day. What's that? Dead Poet Society. I'm sure somebody said that over here, but remember, he stood up on his desk and said, Carpe, well, actually, he told them as they were doing their little, uh, little group together. Number five, this is a pretty easy one. Elementary, my dear Watson. Sherlock Holmes, absolutely, absolutely. Now, some of those are older movies, um, uh, but they still are amazing how they, those sentences, you know, they're part of our society. They're part of who, who we are. There was one that I was surprised wasn't there, which is actually one of my favorite movie quotes. Let's see if any of you can catch this one. Hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Any guess on that one? No? Good guess, though. Thanks for guessing. Anybody watched the Shawshank Redemption before? Do you remember that uh, they were in prison together and and whenever Tim Robbins' character, Andy, left, he left a note for um, Morgan Freeman's character, Red. And Red read that note, and that part of that note was, hope is a good thing, perhaps the best thing, and no good thing ever dies. I love that. I love that. I, I, I think that's a very powerful quote and a very meaningful quote for all people. 
for us today particularly. We're talking about hope today. We're talking about a, a female character. Now, I'm doing something today I've never done before. And, and many of you may not realize I pastored for many years in Virginia Beach. I work with the BGAV now, Baptist General Association of Virginia. I've been interim pastor at Harrisonburg Baptist. I'm interim pastor now at Bedford Baptist Church in Bedford. I was interim pastor at First Baptist Stanton for three months. And so I, I've preached a number of sermons before. And, and I love preaching on special days because I, I like finding what the Bible says about special days. And today is Father's Day. Uh, I spent yesterday with one of my daughters. We went kayaking out on the James River, had a great time, and then played games all afternoon yesterday. And so I love Father's Day. Today I'm preaching about a female character from the Bible on Father's Day. I've never done that before. So this is a new attempt. We'll see, see what happens as I preach this story. But, but I want to say this, dads, I really believe that there's a message for us in this story about Anna. And I'm going to point it out to us here in, here in a minute. There's another quote, though, and another favorite quote I have about hope, and, and it's this. Everything that is done in the world is done by hope. Everything that's done in the world is done by hope. That quote is attributed to the great theologian and Protestant reformer Martin Luther. And if you think about it, I think you'll think that this is true or that you'll find this is true in your life. Everyone longs for hope. Everyone needs hope. Hope gives us the reason to exist. Hope gives us the reason to get up in the morning. Hope gives us the reason we go to, to school. Hope gives us the reason that people like me look forward to retirement, uh, hopefully in the not-too-distant future. Well, still three or four years anyway. Hope. Everything is done with hope. The character we're looking at today, Anna, is a character that we often or sometimes read about at Christmas. Not often. Sometimes we read over her story and don't even realize she's there. I would suggest, though, that Anna is a great story for us when we think about this idea of hope. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to look in your Bibles. If not, the verses are going to be on the screen behind me. There are only three verses in the entire Bible that talk about this prophetess named Anna. Then Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. So, so listen or look at your Bible or look on the screens behind me as, as I read this. It says, There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Now, I'd never say that about a woman myself. Luke wasn't very... <laughs> she was very old. That's just... She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. I'm going to talk about that age in a minute. That, that uh, could be even older than that. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, this is Mary and Joseph when they were in the temple with Jesus, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child, spoke about Jesus to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, for a person who only has three verses written about her in the entire Bible, these verses give us some very interesting, and may not catch it, but some very detailed information about this woman, this prophetess named Anna. It's easy for us to miss these details, so let me see if I can point out a few of them to you. Again, Luke tells us that Anna was a prophetess, a female prophet. Female prophets 
were unusual in the history of Israel. Israel was a male-dominated society, and females seldom rose to positions of any type of prominence. Once in a while, a female leader is mentioned. You find in the Old Testament Anna. You find in Jesus' genealogy a number of females listed who some were not very good characters. But you never find a prophet in the Old Testament or a prophetess in the Old Testament mentioned. So for Luke to mention Anna, for Anna to be recognized as a prophetess, this is a significant event. This is a significant statement in the Bible. In this brief narrative, Luke lays the groundwork for the involvement of women in the life of Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry. And so here's a statement about hope that I think that, that we learn from the prophetess Anna. Anna opens the door of spiritual hope to females like that door had never been opened before in scriptures. More than any other gospel, Luke tells the stories of how women were involved in the life and ministry of Jesus. Now, there's not much time to look at all the, the women that Luke talks about, but I want to point out one specific verse from Luke chapter 8, or, or actually three verses here also from Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, that talk about the involvement of women in the life of Jesus. It says this, the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Then it lists three women, Mary Magdalene, from whom demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, and Susanna, and many others. Now listen to what, what this says. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Now here's what's interesting. I love this about the, the scriptures, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do try to, to do a lot of looking and studying of the Greek as I prepare my sermons, and, and that word support is the word, is the Greek word diakonia. Does, does that word diakonia sound familiar to you about any position in the church? Deacons. Here's what this verse is saying, that these women were being deacons to Jesus. Now, I, I think it's wonderful that this church has female deacons and, and female leadership, and I'm so excited to have Kristen as our associate pastor here because women were very involved in the life of the early church and in the life of Jesus himself. And here's what the story of Anna says to me. It says it doesn't matter who you are, male, female, rich, poor, educated, illiterate, God can and will use you to minister to others if you open your life to him. So a, 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 an example that we need to follow is the example of Anna and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. And it may be different than it's ever been done before, but God, use me, whatever that looks like, however that's going to happen. Let me open my life to you and you use me to minister to others. Luke goes on then and tells us that Anna was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Now those three names have significant meaning. And again, we miss names because in, in, in our culture, uh, you know, our names don't really 
carry along with it the significance of character. Our names just are for identification. You know, people call me Skip not because I skip a lot, just because that's my name. Now, my mom tells a story that when I was born, I was so big that the doctor slapped me on the rear and said, skip on down to the nursery, and that's where I got my name from. But people don't say, skip, your name's Skip, because you skip a lot. But in the Bible, names carried significance. Names were often given because they wanted to to have a, a, a part of that person's character related to that name. The name Anna was equivalent to the Old Testament name Hannah. Now, I'm sure many of you, most of you, have come to church most of your life, or a lot of your life. You remember the name Hannah. She was a key Old Testament character and another key female in the Old Testament, but not anybody who really had any position of authority other than being the mother of somebody very important. She was the mother of Samuel. And Samuel was one of the early key figures in the life of Israel. Samuel anointed Saul and anointed David, a key prophet in Israel. And the name Hannah, it means grace or favored one. And in these three verses of Luke, we find Anna as a favored one who prophesies about Jesus. The the father of Anna was a guy named Fanuel. And you, how many of you have any of your kids named Fanuel? Any, anybody? That's just not a name we use anymore. But it's an it's a important name. It's a key name. It comes from the name Penuel, the, the, the uh, Hebrew name Penuel, which means the face of God. And, and so when, when this guy's parents had birthed him and said, Man, how do we want to describe our son? It's possible, they said, we would like this guy to be seen as a godly man, a godly character. And so they gave him the name Penuel. Or it's possible, and this happened in in Old Testament times, that people changed their names. Remember, Abram became Abraham later, and uh, and Jacob became Israel because they changed their names to fit their character. It's possible later in this guy's life, the people looked at him and they said, wow, when we see you, we think of God. <laughs> we see God reflected in your character. And so they gave him the name Manuel. He was the father of Anna. It's almost certain that he's mentioned here. Again, we miss this because we read it from a different cultural mindset. It's almost certain that this guy's name was mentioned. Why else would would Luke say she's the daughter of Phanuel other than the fact that Phanuel was a key spiritual person? They wanted him to see that Anna came from a lineage, a spiritual lineage of people who feared the Lord. It's almost certain that Anna came from a God-fearing family. I'm going to get more to that in just a minute. And then finally, she was from the tribe of Asher. Now, this is interesting. There are ancient Jewish manuscripts that note that women of the tribe of Asher were so beautiful that they were sought out as wives for princes and priests. Now, that's very interesting. She's mentioned that she's from the tribe of Asher, and Luke also tells us that she spent all her time at the temple. 
Now, this is really reading between the lines, but I would suggest to you that it's highly possible, and probably the reason Luke put this in here is that Anna was the wife of a priest (laughs) before the priest passed away, and then she was a widow for years after that. So catch this again, three key names. Anna was a favored one. Her father represented the face of God. And her husband really was likely a priest before he passed away. Here's something I think this passage is telling us that early readers would have caught. But you and I can read over easily and just not even think about it. That Anna was a person of faith because she came from a family of faith. The story of Anna opens the door of hope to help us see Family matters. Folks, family matters. Today's Father's Day, and we hear from this story that godly fathers and godly husbands matter in families. Survey after survey will show that the majority of adults who are in church today and are plugged in in their spiritual lives were in church as kids because they're Parents took them to church. Let's, let's take a, a, a survey here. How many of you adults have been in the church for many years and came to church, came to faith in Christ as a younger kid? Almost every one of us. Family matters. And dads, I really want to, to strike this point to us today. Our kids watch us. Our kids look at us, and what's important to us becomes important to them. Not every time, not always, but many times, many, many times. There's a proverb that we all quote regularly, and I I like it in this translation, Proverbs 22, 6 says this, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. Again, you know, we can't say that that's absolutely true every single time. But man, it's a true a lot of the time. It, it, it's true a majority of the time. Kids look at us as adults, as parents, as fathers. And when they see that Jesus makes a difference to us, He really is more likely to make a difference to them as well. Parents, dads, do your kids see Jesus in you? I hope so. And and when I say that, I don't have time to jump into this deeply, but when I say that, that doesn't mean that we walk around piously and we have all the answers to give and we say, oh, isn't life so holy? That's not what it means. That means that however we live our lives, whatever it looks like, me as a pastor, some of you as engineers or doctors or nurses or teachers or whatever it is, you say, God has called me to give this and gifted me for this, and I'm going to do the best I can where I am, loving God and loving people. And man, that makes a difference in the lives of our kids. Anna proves to us that family matters. 
Now, Luke then makes a statement about Anna, again, that I would never make. He comes right out and says she was very old, <laughs> very old. Now, again, he goes on in, in this translation and says she was 84, but if you read other translations, some of them say that she lives for 84 years after her husband dies. So she could have been a hundred and some odd years old. Here's why that's important. Not, not whether she's 84 or 100, but that she, she lives so long by going regularly to the temple. Anna's hope never died. Wow. Whether she was 84 or 100, Anna went to the temple every day looking for the Messiah. And here's what I think the story of Anna teaches us today. Never give up hope. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Never give up hope, <laughs> however old you might get. Never give up hope. I told Elise the other day, we try to walk each morning. I told her as we were walking, I said, man, my body sure feels like 60. I turned 60 last summer, 61 this summer, and for some reason it hit me at 60. I, I don't know, before 60 I was doing okay, and before 60 hit me hard. I'm still in good shape. I mean, I still walk and able to do things others aren't able to do. So I'm grateful for that. But age, it takes away strength from our bodies. And unfortunately for some people, it takes away strength from their souls. But not for Anna. Anna is a great example for us as we age. Her example is this, never give up hope. There's always a chance to see the Messiah. We never know when God might reveal himself to us. We never know when we might be in a position where, where all of a sudden we see God. I hope that you're looking for the Messiah. No matter what age you are, no matter what circumstance in life you're in, I hope that you're looking for the Messiah. Finally, because Anna was a devoutly spiritual person, verse 37 tells us that she never left the temple but worshipped day and night. Now that, that again, it was, it was not, women were not allowed to be in the temple overnight. I mean, that, that was just a rule. So what Luke is saying here, it's like saying she was at the church every, every time the doors were open is really what Luke was saying. Because when it says she was there every night, she didn't sleep at the temple. But she was there regularly. She was there because of the hope that she had that God would fulfill his promise. And so the story of Anna opens the door of hope for those who are willing to listen and believe. If you're willing to listen and believe. Luke concludes his story here about Anna by pointing out that her hope was realized. She saw the Messiah. She held the Messiah. She saw the parents. She blessed them. After 84 years of waiting, she saw the Messiah. Now imagine this with me if you can. Anna is a baby. Her mom has her in her arms singing to her the songs of the Messiah. Her dad Probably, again, a very godly man would pick her up as a young child and put her in his laps and talk to her about the Messiah. Her husband, most likely a priest, 
would read to her the stories from the Old Testament about the Messiah. When her husband died, she stayed in the temple hearing about the Messiah and prophesying about the Messiah for 84 years. She did that. Many people would have given up after 83. (laughs) Or maybe 82. Or maybe people would have given up after 25. I just haven't seen the Messiah. But not Anna. Anna, because of the faith that had been built up in her, was willing to go for 84 years watching for the Messiah. Man, if there's ever a statement of hope, that's it. If there's ever an example of hope, that's it. You know, we live in a very individualistic society. So we've been taught and we believe and, and, and we read the Bible as a very individualistic uh, understanding of how we relate to God. It's only between me and God. And, and it's true. Yes, every one of us, we have to make our own decisions of how we're going to respond to God, what we're going to do with God in our lives. But the truth of the Bible is that Spiritual hope is not just dependent upon us. Dependent upon all those who live around us as well. Our family, our friends, our church family. Sometimes people we just meet on the street show us. And that's what we find in Anna. She spent years hoping for the Messiah, praying for a Messiah, telling people about the Messiah. And after 84 years, there he was. And I like the very last line in what we read here about Anna. Luke says, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That's a word of hope. I want to challenge each of us today to do the same. Let's thank God for what he's done for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for for my family being a family of, uh, of folks who follow Jesus. Thank you for my friends who follow Jesus. Thank you for the influence I've had. Thank you, God. Now, let me try to influence somebody else. Let me be Fanuel, the face of God to somebody else.